Hallelujah. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. Let's just sing again. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. Jesus, we love you. Wonderful Jesus. What a wonderful day to be alive. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. That's a great way to wake up and make a decision. This is what's going to happen today. This is the day that the Lord has made, and today we're going to rejoice and be very glad in it. Hallelujah. You, can, you have that uh, capacity now because the Spirit of God lives in you. You're not subject to whatever feelings might be going on inside of you. I've just been reading uh, this month the book of Proverbs because I really wanted to respond to one of the words that's been coming out recently is that the Holy Spirit is really emphasizing an invitation to wisdom. And in, in response to that, I'm wanting to read the wisdom books. I'm, I'm wanting to absorb it. So I've just been uh, deliberately going through the book of Proverbs and, and listening and reading. And I was reading today about uh, those that are unable to rule their own spirit are like a, a city that's walls are broken down. But praise God, we've been given power, hallelujah, to rule over any emotion or anything that's going on. We don't have to be people who give in to every rush of anger or emotions of distress or discouragement. But in the morning when you wake up, instead of figuring out how you're feeling to identify what, what sort of state you're in, you can tell your own soul, hey soul, why are you downcast within me? Bless the Lord. Forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases. Hallelujah. I can tell my soul, hey, rejoice in the Lord. Today is a day that he has given. This is a gift from God today. Rejoice. And I tell you again, rejoice. That's what ruling your own spirit looks like. That's what we've been given power to reckon ourselves dead to self and alive to Christ. Hooray. We can reckon ourselves dead, which means that when the, uh, you know, whatever emotions or whatever circumstances are going on and trying to draw you into the emotion of life and the drama of life around you, you can say, no, praise the Lord. It's no longer me who lives. I reckon myself dead today and alive to Christ. Hallelujah. I'm seated in heavenly places with him now because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And right now, I live in the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So today, I'm going to declare, this is the day that you have made, and I will rejoice 
and be glad in it. Hallelujah. It's our divine opportunity every day to make that choice, to have that authority that he's given us. If you can't rule your own soul, how do you expect to rule and reign with Christ on the earth? You and I are called to exercise dominion and authority in the name of Jesus Christ, and it begins with your own soul. It begins with you being able to tell your soul that, hey, you're not the boss of me. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. So, hey, get happy. Rejoice. Hallelujah. It's time to bless God. Remember, thank you, Jesus. Not only has my sin been forgiven, but my iniquity, that is my crooked nature, that old identity, everything negative that used to, I used to feel about me is no longer a reality because it's no longer me who lives. I've been delivered from my crookedness. I've been set free from me. All right. Hallelujah. I get to celebrate true freedom, which is freedom in Christ. That means it's not, it's not just a nice little saying, freedom in Christ. It's actual freedom from all the stuff, all that was uh, holding on to me and trying to drag me back into the drama of life. I get to live now in life supernatural, abundant, and full of peace because I've been set free by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, today is a good day because he's alive and he's invited us into fellowship with him. Hallelujah. So I've been looking here at the book of Proverbs and, and enjoying it. I mean, the Bible is such a delight. That's my, my study at the moment is the book of Proverbs, but I'm also enjoying a bit of Hebrews on the side. Hallelujah. I just look through the Bible and my heart leaps with delight as I recognize the Spirit of God speaking through His Word and adjusting us. You know, it says in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed and given for edification. It's given to admonish us and help us and teach us and straighten us out. Hallelujah. And Proverbs is really good at doing that. It's full of wisdom. It's a collection of collections. It's primarily written by Solomon, but you also see um, Proverbs by uh, different ones that have written uh, Lemuel and, and others. But as we're reading this supernatural book that's been given as a gift of wisdom, it speaks on many levels. You know, it speaks literally, but it also speaks parabolically. It's scripture that actually speaks to every one of us. It's not just written to young men. It's written to everybody for their edification, every person in the body of Christ. If you've been born again, if you are a, a child of God, this is scripture that is designed to help you, to encourage you, to give you wisdom. The Bible says if anyone lacks wisdom in the book of James, let him ask and it will be given to him. And he will, it will be without reproach. God's not going to go, oh, well, yeah, good thing you're asking for wisdom. I don't know. I'll think about it. It's his actual, his delight and his will to give it to you when you ask. And the Bible says whatever we ask according to his will, we can have. So if you begin to actually deliberately do what Proverbs tells us, and that is to seek after wisdom, you can have full assurance of faith that God will give it to you. 
That's very exciting. Because a lot of people know that they lack wisdom and need it, and they ask, hoping they might get something. But actually, the Lord is saying, it is my good pleasure. I'm asking you to ask for it, and I will give it to you liberally. I will give it to you lavishly, and I'll give it to you without reproach. Just ask, and don't doubt. If you look in that scripture in in James, he says, don't doubt that I'm going to do this. Because if you're doubting, oh, I don't know whether I will or won't, you, you won't receive anything because we receive by faith. The righteous live by faith. Hallelujah. And so we have to be a people who believe in faith that when we're asking for wisdom, we're actually going to get it. Hallelujah. So I highly recommend it. As I've been looking at it, I've, I was thinking about um, Dr. Brian Simmons. And he's done the book of Proverbs in the Passion Translation. It's wonderful. I like to read the Bible in lots of different translations. Um, For anyone that's a bit concerned about different translations, I've got news for you. Um, The Bible was not actually ever written in English. It actually was not written in um, Old English. It was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And so whatever English translation you're reading is actually a translation of another language. And so it is good to be looking at lots of different translations, amen, and to study it out and, and to look at the Hebrew and the Greek and enjoy it and, and, uh, and search it out. But as I was um, looking at the book of Proverbs, I remember uh, Brian would say that, Proverbs is a story of two women, the adulterous woman and the bride of Christ in Proverbs 31. But when I was talking to him about it, I said, actually, I I think it's more like a tale of three women. And I'll show you why. As you look through the book of Proverbs, it's, it's fascinating. It's got these stories. It's got really clever things like don't greet your brother loudly in the morning, otherwise he'll hate you. Like, you know, don't, don't bless your brother loudly in the morning, otherwise you'll take it as a curse, I think is what it says. Or don't set foot in your neighbor's house too regularly, otherwise they might hate you too. So it's like sensible things, clever things. But it's also fascinating to look at the different themes and the different way that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us, not just on a surface level, but he wants to speak to us in in deep calling out to deep. He wants to help us in life. Hallelujah. And so I I see um, there's, there's a woman here personified. Wisdom itself is actually personified as a woman. You've got... Wisdom, it says here in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1, says this, Wisdom has built her house. She's hewn out her seven pillars. She's slaughtered her meat. She's mixed her wine. She's also furnished her table. She's sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of my wine that I've mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. 
So wisdom's actually personified as, as a person saying, hey, I'm here. I've got really good things for you to eat. I want to feed you. I want to refresh you. If you need help, if you're, if you're lacking any wisdom, I'm here. I'm inviting you in. I'm up here calling out to you all the time saying, come here. I want to help you. It, who does it sound like? This one who's saying, I want to help you. Come here. It sounds so much like the spirit of wisdom that we read about in Ephesians chapter 1. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. You, get, you understand that better when you look at, at the spirit of wisdom, this woman of wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8. It says here, Proverbs 8, Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth shall speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They're all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mind and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. You could go on and, and continue to read. And you can hear this woman of wisdom saying, come, I want, to, I want to speak to you. She's personified here. But as you read on, as you, we could skip down. It says here, verse 23, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet I had, he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, there I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. That's speaking about God. God is wisdom. The spirit of wisdom is one of his names. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom was there hovering over the waters of the deep, creating, hallelujah, as the Father spoke, the spirit brought it into, uh, into being. The spirit of wisdom is a real person. It's God, the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. And God, the Holy Spirit, is calling out saying, I want to help you. Come here. If you'll ask me, I will give you wisdom. Come here. I want to feed you. I want to counsel you. I want to help you. I want to give you the way that you should walk in. 
And so as I've been reading more and more about the spirit of wisdom, I just took some time the other day to say, Lord, I just want to fellowship with you as the spirit of wisdom. And I, I just deliberately got still with the Lord and just began to meditate on the Lord as the spirit of wisdom, saying, God, I need your wisdom. I want to fellowship with you, wisdom. I want to respond to your call. You're calling out to me. And you said those who diligently seek me will find me. So I'm seeking you, spirit of wisdom. I want to fellowship with you. And as I was just delighting in him as the spirit of wisdom, just thanking him, oh, what a privilege that I have to be able to commune with God, the spirit of wisdom. As I was just uh, thinking about him and, and getting still before him, suddenly I had a really good idea that I, I wasn't even thinking about. And it was, a, it was a thought to change the subtitle of my new book, which has already been set and, you know, they've already put it out on pre-order on Amazon and everything. But it was just such a good idea. And, and it was like, wow, that, that's so much better, God. You know, the publishers have given the title for the book. They, they change it to what they think would be good. But this was awesome. So I was, I was so excited. What a great idea, God. So I wrote to my publishers. I said, just been spending some time with the Lord this morning. And just got a really good idea. I think we should change the subtitle. And I told them what I thought it should be. And they wrote back and um, they said, well, we'll have to, you know, talk to the marketing people. But a couple of days later, they got back to me saying, this is a really good idea. We've decided we're going to change everything and go with that because we really believe that's going to really impact people in a much better way. And I thought, Three minutes with the spirit of wisdom, and we've got this awesome result that wouldn't have even occurred to me. He's so much more creative than we are. Hallelujah. And I wasn't even trying to find an answer for that. I didn't even know that it would be a good thing to change that. But when I got the answer, I was like, whoa, that's an awesome idea, God. If we would take time to withdraw from the dramas of the world that want to draw you into all the anxiety and the fear and the worries, and we would just go back to leaning into him saying, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to live in the drama. I get to live in the place of peace with you. I just want to fellowship with you right now. Lord, you said the mindset on you is life and peace. I want to fellowship with you, Holy Spirit, spirit of wisdom. I want to fellowship with you. I'm seeking you and I know in faith that you are right here and that you are teaching me your ways. Teach me, I invite you. Teach me your ways. Show me your paths. Guide me in the way everlasting. I want to know you. As I read your word, show me where to read. Help me to understand the mysteries that you have hidden there. You said it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. But God, without your wisdom, I can't search it out. I can't see. In your light, I see light. So spirit of wisdom, enlighten the eyes of my understanding in the knowledge of you. So I see you in your word. Hallelujah. It's a good way to live. It's an invitation that I think many of us haven't actually seen or responded to. We've read it. We've thought, yeah, oh, I could use a bit more wisdom. We might even ask, but not really fully expect it. But I believe in this awakening. The Lord is helping us come back to a childlike faith that goes, wow, that's a good idea. I'll do that. 
That's why when we hear a prophetic word like we heard today, I don't want to just go, yes, that's a good word, moving on. I want to be like a child that actually believes what's being said as we test it, of course, according to the word of God, the character of God. But when we test it and know, yeah, that sounds like God, I want to respond. You see, in the kingdom, we've got to be learning how to respond quickly to the, to the Father's word. We want to be the one that is guided by his eye, not with a bit and a bridle. But they are able just to look into his eyes and say, where are you going now? I just want to move with you. I want to respond to your word. Not people that are puffed up with the, the knowledge of what we know and what we understand and what we can quote. I mean, there's people who can get their theology all down pat, but actually have not taken time to really respond from a heart level and enjoy the invitation that the theology is giving. He's wanting us to hear his word and actually have it. It's a simple, simple truth. But I believe the Holy Spirit is blowing through the church worldwide right now, awakening and awakening the hearts of his beautiful children to begin to recognize this isn't some religious thoughts that we've had. This is actually real life now and I can have it. Hallelujah. So we've got this spirit of wisdom calling out saying, come, respond to me. Come, come, come. But we've also got another woman personified in, in Proverbs, and it's sin. Sin is personified. If you have a look in Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7, I mean, and you can hear it all the way through, especially the first uh, eight eight, nine books of Pro, uh, chapters of Proverbs. You can hear about this adulterous woman. It's always out in the streets lurking and trying to get you to come and saying, come here, I've mixed my wine. I've done same as same as wisdom, saying, oh, but but perverted and twisted. It's something else that's personified and it's sin. Sin on the outside saying, come, I'm, I want to give you something. And that is the reality of what we are facing as a bride. Sin is out there trying to call to us and the Holy Spirit is there trying to call to us and we have power now to choose life. Hallelujah. Sins personified here, you can read uh, just one example here in verse 12 of Proverbs chapter 7. It says, at times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. I mean, this woman's everywhere. And I'd read it. If I was just to read it on a literal sense, it, you know, this adulterous woman saying, come to my bedroom is really not an actual temptation for me. I'm like, I don't fully relate to that on a literal level. But when you look at it parabolically as, a, as this is sin of any form, saying, come here. Oh, yes, you'll like this. Just, just come here. Nobody will know. Lurking at every corner. I mean, she gets around. She's there all the time. Looking for an opportunity. But the Bible tells us that we need to take heed when we think we stand lest we fall. We have to be aware that there is an enemy of our soul. And he's out to deceive us all the time. He's always looking for an opportunity. 
But praise God, we don't have to be afraid of sin anymore because sin has no power over us. Hallelujah. But there's great news too. It just gets better. I mean, read Romans 6, 7, 8. This is awesome. But this sin that's out there trying to get you to come in has no more power over the one that's been redeemed. Hallelujah. We have power now to say, yeah, no. Thank you, God. I'm embracing wisdom. I have power to choose life. But the confusion often comes for people that when they're feeling tempted by something, they suddenly get into all sorts of condemnation and think, isn't it terrible that I had that thought or I had that feeling? I felt tempted. There must be something wrong in me. And then we hide ourselves from God in shame and try and sort ourselves out to the to frustration of finding out that we can't actually sort ourselves out in our own strength. And we get back into that um, mentality of being under the law and thinking, oh, I'm a wretched person. But praise God, that is not our dilemma anymore. We can recognize, thank God I've been delivered from sin. Hallelujah. I am set free from sin. I've been made new. I'm a new creation. Sin isn't on the inside of me. It's on every street corner lurking, trying to get me. It's outside trying to get in. You know, you can read about that in, it's all the way through scripture, but in the beginning, in, in Genesis chapter 4. Talking where um, the Lord is talking to Cain. Cain and Abel brought different offerings. It says that Cain, he just got some, some of his harvest stuff and brought that. And Abel went and got the very first and the best and presented it to the Lord. And Abel's was received and Cain's was not. And Cain was very upset. But the Lord says to Cain, if you do what's right, verse 7, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do, not do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. He, it was personified again. Here it is. It's trying, to, it's trying to get you, but you don't have to yield to it. But the, the mistake a lot of people make is when you feel tempted, that we feel, we feel bad and we start to wear it as an identity. I heard someone say once that temptation's not temptation if it's not tempting. If something doesn't actually make you feel like, oh, a little bit tempted, then it's not really temptation. But when temptation comes, it's not a reflection of, oh, you bad person on the inside that you're feeling tempted by that. Temptation is your opportunity to go, thank God you made a way of escape through the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't have to be mastered by that. I have authority and power to master it and say, no, I choose life. Hallelujah. I've been set free from sin. We can have a quick look, if you like, at Romans chapter 6. Wonderful book, highly recommended, delicious. If you're, if you're looking for some good reading over the holidays, may I recommend the book of Romans? Like, read the whole lot. And then if you get through that, read the whole book of Hebrews from beginning to end. It's just awesome. And, and Ephesians is really good too, and Colossians and Philippians. And it's just all awesome. In fact, you know, the whole Bible, it's delicious. Hope you have lots of holidays. But to read the whole lot in context is a very, very powerful thing. 
because it'll help you, especially when you're looking at it through the eyes of a little child that's just believing and receiving and responding and knowing that you've been set free by the blood of Jesus, that he's made a new and living way. Hallelujah. As it says in Hebrews 10. Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. You know this. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? Or do you not know that as many as us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That's that happy place. I'm free. We don't just sing those songs because they've got a good melody or a good beat. We are actually free, free from self, free from sin. I am free to walk in newness of life in a place of supernatural peace. <laughs> free, hallelujah. And it's for freedom we've been set free, which means we actually have to make a choice to walk and to live in that freedom. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. So when sin is crouching at the door, lurking in every street corner, then come here. I've got an idea. You're like the oh, you deserve it. Come on. And, and, and using words that, it, that actually will be tempting because it's designed deliberately to get you. Its desire is for you. It wants you because the enemy hates you. He knows how much you mean to the Father and he wants to destroy you because he wants to hurt the Father. But there's another spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom saying, hey, come here. I've got wine mixed for you. I've got wonderful things laid up for you. I'm going to teach you things. I'm going to give you great thoughts, wonderful ideas. I've got ideas. Ask me. I want to help you. I want to encourage you. I want to fill you up to overflowing. I want you to experience fullness of joy and everlasting peace. I want you to live and walk in freedom and peace today. And the more you spend time fellowshipping with the spirit of wisdom, the enticement of, come on, I've got an idea, really is not as appealing. And you start to recognize, hey, I don't even have to be afraid that I'm feeling this pull. I don't have to be afraid, what's wrong with me that I feel a pull to do that? I get to go, thank God I'm not ruled by my emotions. The just live by faith. And I don't even have to worry that I'm feeling that because my feelings are not relevant in this situation. I get to tell my feelings what to do and say, thank you, God, I'm coming in for a cuddle. Yes. Hallelujah. It's good news. Just going to keep reading because I like it. I'll read it again. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Say was. That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. 
For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, has been, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments to righteousness. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Hallelujah. Can you see the picture of the two people pulling at you? Sin here going, come on. And the Holy Spirit saying, come on, let me help you. And the, and the word of God written by the spirit of wisdom is saying to us, hey, let me tell you some good news. You don't have to let that master you. You don't have to be subject to that. You don't even have to be worried about it. You can come to me and know that I've set you free. I've given you power to choose life, to choose what is right. Hallelujah. Now, sometimes when we're struggling with um, condemnation, the enemy wants to consume us with feelings and uh, tell us who we are. That's where we actually have to come into obedience to Christ and reckon ourselves dead. When he's trying to identify you and say, oh, you're a bad person because you're tempted by that. The more you think about it, the more you look at it, the more discouraged you're going to feel. And the enemy's plan is to make you feel so bad about yourself that you actually start to believe there's something wrong with me. Because the moment you start to believe there's something wrong with you, then that demands an answer. How am I going to get free from this? And what, what could I do? How could I be free from this? And the Lord's there saying, actually, I've already done it. I've set you free. But the enemy wants to make you believe, no, actually, you're not free. See, you're being tempted by that. There must be something wrong with you on the inside. Yo, you, you need to start looking at yourself. Whereas the Spirit of God says, hey, don't even think about yourself. Reckon yourself dead. Don't even bother. Just let that go and come here. Come and live in life and peace. Now, a lot of people turn themselves inside out, trying to work out. If you've had a bad dream, for example, say you have a, a lustful dream or a bad dream, you could wake up in the morning going, oh, I'm a terrible person, what's wrong with me? Why am I having, oh God, oh God, oh God. Now, if you've been looking at stuff that's not being good, watching movies or whatever that's lustful and wrong, then you need to repent and say, sorry God, that was a bad choice. But whether you have or you haven't, when something like that comes, instead of going, oh, I'm a terrible person, there's something wrong with me on the inside, you have to go, no, thank God that's not my identity any longer. Thank you, Jesus, today I reckon myself dead to self and alive to Christ. I'm free. This is the truth. It's no longer Catherine who lives. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. What are you like today, God? You are holy. You are pure. All of your ways, it tells me here in Proverbs, your thoughts are, are pure. 
There's nothing corrupted about you. You are pure. You are perfect. You are holy. You don't have any uh, negative speech in you. You you speak and you think pure thoughts. And it's uh, as you are, so am I in this world today. Hallelujah. Because that's the truth of what Jesus has done for me. I reckon myself dead and alive to Christ as he is. What's he like today? As he is, so am I. Wow. That's a really happy thought. When the enemy is trying to sell you the lie, you twisted person, you terrible person, you had that terrible dream, you had that terrible thought, blah, blah, blah. You have to go, actually, no. Yeah, no. If there's anything I need to repent of, then I'll repent and I'll receive forgiveness immediately by the great grace of God. And then in any of the hangover of the emotion that I might be feeling about that now has to line up with the truth of what God says to me. Condemnation often lives in the hangover of the emotion about whatever you've just been through. You've been trying to deal with something or you say you did something wrong. You know, say you, you know, occasionally, rarely, but occasionally I might get a little snappy or a little short with Tom. Can you imagine? I mean, he's so beautiful. But I might get a little bit, oh, come on, hurry up, and get a little irritated. When I realize what I've done, I generally say, sorry, I've been a bit grumpy. Sorry about that, honey, I shouldn't have been grumpy. And I apologize. But what I used to do is I'd go, I'm sorry, I've been a bit grumpy. And then I'd feel bad about being grumpy for the rest of the day and think, I'm such an irritable, I'm, so, I'm such a moody person, I'm such an irritable person. Oh. And get into condemnation by living in the, the emotional hangover of what I had just done. Has anybody ever experienced something like this? A lot of Christians live continually with emotional hangovers. When instead, we don't have to be mastered by those emotions. We can call ourselves up to attention and say, hang on, let's, let's bask in some truth here right now. This is what deliberately, by faith, reckoning myself dead is inviting me into. You don't have to reckon yourself dead if you're not having any struggles at all. And you're just already living happy, happy, happy in the presence of God. But when you have a struggle, you need to apply the word of God and go, thank you, Jesus. I reckon myself dead. Even if my heart condemns me, you are greater than my heart, God. So I choose to line up with the truth of what you say. Hallelujah. I want to live in the life and the peace. And I choose. I speak to my soul. I say, soul, be peaceful. Be full of the peace of God. I don't have to try and bring that person into the kingdom and into the peace. I reckon that person dead. That person was irritable and cranky and all that emotion that was associated with it. Thank you, Jesus. That's not who I am. (sighs) I used to try and make that person come into the kingdom and get sorted out. But actually, it doesn't work very well. I can't crucify myself. I have to, by faith, believe that I've been crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. Righteousness comes by the grace of God through faith in him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I must have faith that when I ask for forgiveness, I actually receive it. And it's complete. It's full. It's 
consciously cleansed me and cleansed my guilty conscience. Hallelujah. And so if my conscience still wants to, and my emotions still want to make me feel guilty, I have to go, hello, you are not, you are not even allowed in this picture anymore. Thank God I've been set free from me. I now have a clean conscience. What does a clean conscience feel like? Oh, it's wonderful. Hallelujah. I can look you in the eye and know that I am love personified because that's who Christ is in me. That I'm not trying to be patient, but I actually am patience because that's who God, who is love, is. He is kindness. Love is kind. God is love. As God is, so am I in this world. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ, God, who lives in me. Therefore, I am kind. I am patient. I am long-suffering. Even if I was irritable 10 minutes ago, right now, as I remind myself of the truth, this is the reality. I'm not identified by whatever sin I might have given myself to at that moment. I am identified by the fact that the blood of Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death, has set me free from me, and this is the truth. I am patient. I am kind. I am long-suffering. I have the faith of Christ living on the inside of me. Hallelujah. This is what it means to remind ourselves of what we look like. In the book of James that I so often quote says, If any man is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that looked in the mirror and then walked away and forgot what he looked like. We've got to be people who look in the mirror of God's face and remind ourselves of what we actually look like, particularly when the emotional hangover is rolling around in your spirit, trying to get you. You might not see sin as a literal harlot. Some might, but you might not recognize it so obviously. But sin is often there trying to play on the emotional hangover of whatever negative thing has happened to you crouching at the door trying to pull you in say hey actually there's something really wrong with you you're a bad person oh you got real problems that is the voice of the sin that's crouching at the door trying to get you to agree and believe that what Jesus has done isn't really full you're not really set free. It really isn't. You haven't really been crucified. You're very alive, actually. And you have to go, thank God. No, this is the truth. The Bible says, I have died. Hallelujah. I was crucified with Christ. You're a liar. I'm not talking to you. I'm going to talk to the spirit of wisdom. Talk to me, spirit of wisdom. Oh, thank you, Lord. And let him minister to your heart. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. You are so wonderful. I want to just close with this. Just the third woman that I see in the book of Proverbs. And it's the Proverbs 31 woman. This woman used to greatly intimidate me. I'd hear Proverbs 31 and the Proverbs 31 woman preached on Mother's Day. And I always believed it was just designed to make me feel like a bad mother. And it was designed to make me really emphasize the fact that I am not measuring up. 
But that is not the purpose of Proverbs 31. All the women said, Hallelujah. This is not a woman to secretly hate. This is actually a picture of your true identity. This is a picture. And just as the book of Proverbs doesn't just relate to young men, the book of Proverbs, uh, the chapter here in Proverbs 31 doesn't just relate to women. This is a picture of the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. And I think it's so powerfully brought out um, in the Passion Translation. Uh, Dr. Brian has taken the the Passion, the uh, Hebrew and really brought out the dynamic and the truth, hallelujah, of what it says. Proverbs 31, verse 10. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Who could ever find a wife like this one? She's a woman of strength and such mighty valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. And we know, hallelujah, that the price prayed for us is far greater than many jewels. It was the price of Jesus Christ himself. He paid for us. Hallelujah. Her husband has entrusted his heart to her, for she brings him the rich spoils of victory. All throughout her life, she brings him what is good and not evil. She searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. This is your definition. She delights in the work of her hands. She gives out revelation truth to feed others. Like a trading ship bringing divine supplies from the merchants, even in the night season, she arises and sets food on the table for hungry ones in her house and for others. She sets her heart upon a nation and takes it as her own, carrying it within her. She labors there to plant the living vines. She wraps herself in strength, might, and power in all her works. She tastes and experiences a better substance, and her shining light will not be extinguished no matter how dark the night. She stretches out her hands to help the needy, and she lays hold of the wheels of government. She's known by her extravagant generosity to the poor. She always reaches out her hands to those in need. She's not afraid of tribulation, for her household, all her household, is covered in the dual garments of righteousness and grace. That's so much better than she gets up early and makes um, purple garments. I can't even sew. I failed home ec in grade eight. But the good news is Jesus Christ has come and he has given me this reality. Hallelujah. (laughs) She's known by her extravagant generosity. Hang on. Um, Verse... 13, for all her household is covered in the dual garments of righteousness and grace. Her clothing is beautifully knit together, a purple gown of exquisite linen. That's the color of royalty. Her husband is famous and admired by all, sitting as the venerable judge of his people. Even her works of righteousness she does for the benefit of her enemies. Bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her as she laughs with joy over the latter days. Her teachings are filled with wisdom and kindness as loving instruction pours from her lips. She watches over the ways of her household and meets every need they have. Her sons and daughters arise in one accord to extol her virtues and her husband arises to speak of her in glowing terms. There are many valiant and noble ones, but you have ascended above them all. 
Charm can be misleading and beauty is vain and so quickly fades. But this virtuous woman lives in the wonder, awe and fear of the Lord. She'll be praised throughout eternity. So go ahead and give her the credit she's due for she has become the radiant woman and all her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateways of every city. This is who the bride of Christ is called to be. This glorious, powerful woman who is filled with the spirit of wisdom, who, is, who knows who she is, knows how to exercise the authority that she's been given and gives her husband, God himself, all the honor and all the glory and all the praise in her everyday life and in all her works and words. Hallelujah. This is who you are. This is who we are. And this is the invitation that the Lord wants to bring us into. He wants us to wake up and recognize who you are. Because when you know who you are as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Who do you think you are today? Do you think you're some person trying to live a good life? That's a miserable existence. If instead you begin to recognize, thank God, I'm not someone on the outside trying to get in by my works. I've actually been made new, brought into the very innest crowd there is. I am seated with him in heavenly places. I've been given a brand new heart, a new nature, and out of the overflow of the lavish love that God continually pours out upon me, I overflow with the grace and the goodness of God, and everyone around me is impacted by his love and his presence. That is how the just need to live by faith. If you have faith in the fact that you're just a person trying to do good and who messes up a lot, that's what you're going to produce. Because as you believe yourself in your heart to be, that is what you will produce. But if you are the just, if you actually believe you've been made righteous, you've been forgiven, your iniquity has been dealt with, your crookedness has been taken away, and you've become a new creation in Christ, and you live deliberately in faith, reckoning yourself dead and alive to Christ, deliberately choosing, exercising the power you've been given to fellowship with the spirit of wisdom on a daily basis, to walk in him, in him I live and move and have my being, to exercise the free will, the choice that I have to choose life at every moment, then I get to be a fruitful vine. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. And Lord, we ask for wisdom. Lord, we ask that you would wake us up and help us to live fully aware and fully awake of the mercy that you have offered to us. Fully aware and fully awake of what you have done. Teach us about what it means to be truly saved. Help us to understand and to know and enjoy and know the joy of our salvation. God, I'm asking for each one that's been robbed of the joy of their salvation through the deception of the enemy. Lord, that you would help them to see. Give them eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of God is calling out to them. Help them to know the truth. Help them to know that they have been delivered from sin and made alive to Christ as they have confessed their sin, as they have left their old life and received the new life of Christ. Lord, I'm asking for everyone listening, Lord, that you would truly bring a supernatural awakening to their hearts. 
that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would make the truth of who God is come alive, that they would know Christ dwelling in their hearts through faith by the power of you, Holy Spirit. Holy One, I'm asking that you would so enlighten the eyes of our understanding and the knowledge of you, that we would truly know your goodness, your grace, and your kindness. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. If you're here today and you know in your heart that you've been away from God, that you're not walking with God, the Lord's here and he's calling out to you. He's inviting you to respond to him. But it requires a choice. It requires a deliberate choice to say, yes, Lord, I want to respond to your mercy. I want to respond to you and say, Lord, I want to exchange my life, my crookedness, for your righteousness. I want to exchange my sin for your forgiveness. I want you to come and cleanse my guilty conscience and make me new on the inside. I want to be in fellowship with you. Come and be my Savior and my Lord. If that's you today and you know that you want to respond to the mercy of God, I want to give you that opportunity to make a clear choice today and say, yes, Lord, I want to choose you. I want to choose life today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you before we go any further. Is there anyone here? Yes, God bless you. Is anyone else here that says, yes, that's me? I want to respond to the mercy of God. I want to choose life life today. I want to give my life to Christ. Is anybody else that says, yes, that's me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Anyone watching? You know, God sees it when you make a deliberate choice. He listens. He's, he's not distant. He is close, listening, watching, looking at you, seeing how you will respond. And if you'll respond to him and say, yes, I want you to be my Lord. The Bible tells us if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you believe that he is the Savior, you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. As you acknowledge your need for a Savior and you exchange your life and your old nature by faith, you can receive right now, wherever you are, the grace of our Lord Jesus to make you brand new on the inside. Would you all pray this after me? Father God, I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to be punished in my place. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. And right now, Lord, I give you my life. I give you all of my sin, everything I've ever done. And I ask you to have mercy on me. I receive your offer of forgiveness. I receive your mercy. Lord, I give you my old identity, everything crooked about me. And right now, Lord, by faith, I receive your new nature. Come into my life, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a new heart. Make me new on the inside. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to know your ways. Help me to know your love. Right now, Lord, I declare 
you are my God. Jesus Christ has made a way for me to be connected to God, to be accepted, to be forgiven, and to be made brand new. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We celebrate you. We say thank you for your mercy. Hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus.